You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thanksgiving Eve edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante. I got the booster in my left arm and I can still locate better than Andrew Heaney. We're going to be talking about the official farewell of Clint Frazier, which came, uh, we knew it was coming, but it dropped on Tuesday night. So we had to reckon with it a little bit more. Going to put some blame on the Yankees. Going to put some blame back on Clint. We started examining the shortstop situation a little bit deeper because now it really does feel like the Yankees be getting a stopgap. So who in the trade market is more appealing than the Iglesias, uh, whatever, all those absolute total glove-only scrubs like Angelton Simmons? We did a bit of a deep dive. Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about Seiya Suzuki, the Japanese star who would fit a little bit better in Yankee Stadium than people are expecting. And it's not going to take that much to get him. We reveal the offer live on the podcast. Plus, a couple of things we're thankful for. I'm very thankful this holiday season, despite the Yankees giving me very little to enjoy since the season ended. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Give us a sub here. Give us a thumbs up. Get this live stream to the top of your feed. Thanksgiving Eve, what else do you have to do? You're either on a train or you're already at home kicking up, doing absolutely nothing, getting steamed about the final four of the Great British Bake Off with your parents. Spoiler alert, it's a rough one. Uh, I didn't watch that. The spoilers come from social media entirely, but people didn't like it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Sad to see the Cliff Frazier era end spectacularly with nothing but a face plant. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, same with Odor, too. Like we talked about um, earlier in the week, um, Odor was getting paid by the Rangers, so kind of a head-scratcher. Tyler Wade trade, something else that was weird. Clint Frazier, though, was the one who we had talked about, or at least that I had talked about, was just the guy who it wasn't working out. Um, talented dude. Wish nothing but the best for him. I hope his health issues are in the rear view. Um, I hope another team picks him up and he can get some valuable playing time. Um, and be able to show his worth on both both ends of the field. 
um, because we know the defensive struggles were alive and well over the last couple of years, despite the gold glove nomination in 2020. Um, but my problem here is with the Yankees. I know Clint Frazier, I know cutting the, cutting the dead weight on this roster, um, in regard to fits in regard to players who just weren't producing, um, in regard to whatever, what, if the Yankees saw that they needed to make an upgrade, which I guess they did with Wade, Wade, who had a career year in 2021, finally, you're looking at him saying, oh, this guy's carving out a self, carving out a role for himself in this roster. Then they let him go. So maybe they have bigger moves in store. Um, but for Frazier's purposes, um, it just never really was going to work out. Um, came over in 2016. There was a problem. There were problems at the onset of his arrival. We talked about it last time. Um, but my my frustration here lies with the Yankees' mismanagement of assets. Um, Frazier had career years in 2019 and 2020 where his stock was up um both uh i think he ops plus 150 in the short in 2020 um and then he had a a cool 69 or 70 game campaign in 2019 where he ops 110 i think he was leading i think he was leading the yankees in runners in scoring position batting average in 2019 yeah at least for i believe the whole first half when he was up until mid-june like he was the guy for a little bit for a little yeah Um, and his bat, his bat was looking good. And so even if you're looking at Clint Frazier and you're like, eh, the defense isn't there. He's, there was value with the bat and teams take value with offense. There are a lot of teams that play guys out of position or teams that just don't really care about defense. So the fact that the Yankees ping ponged him between the MLB roster and AAA as much as they did in 2019, despite Frazier showing these flashes of, of brilliance on offense, um, he had that walk-off homer against the Brewers, which has been circulating ever since uh, ever since his release, which was nice. It was fun. We remember that game. Um, but it was very clear and evident, at least to me, that he never had a long-term spot. The Yankees weren't clearing a, a path for him as as you would for a top outfield prospect who has this much, I guess, uh, hype behind him. Brett Gardner kept coming back. I understand the situation with Brett Gardner was complicated because they didn't want his farewell to be in front of a fanless uh, Yankee Stadium in 2020, okay. but yeah. giving Clint Frazier the starting left field job in 2021, but then re-signing Gardner to be like, yeah, this guy will be behind you. He'll make sure that, you know, the second we see any sort of laps, he'll be in there, um, which is what happened in the 2020 playoffs. Clint Frazier was starting in the outfield, and then the playoffs came around, and Aaron Boone was like, no, nope, we're going to go with the guy who's not going to really make us shake in our pants when there's a fly ball hit out to left field, which, yes, understandable, but also you kind of got to give the guy the shot if – can't can't be half in half out it's got to be one choice or the other um and that's why maximizing the value there and trading him for something in 2019 or 2020 doesn't really matter what it was the Yankees needed a lot of things if they were able to trade Mike Talkman for an asset in Wandy Peralta which I ripped at the time that it happened because I like Talkman for what he brought to the table Peralta's been way more valuable yeah I'll eat my words there that's great we got a nice lefty weapon in the bullpen now for years under uh, team control but you're going to tell me Clint Frazier when he's OPSing over 800 and 900 in those two years and Mike Talkman who was batting 170 is going to return something like that you could have got something for Clint Frazier and you didn't and they've done this time and time again with a number of other players so that's where I am my frustration lies with the Yankees it's not with Frazier who performed and didn't perform it's not with Frazier who dealt with injuries and that clearly held him back in some capacity it's with the Yankees for not really going all in with Frazier and then not really making a decision on whether he had a future with the organization or not 
Yeah, I don't think there's a way where you can say the Yankees didn't mismanage Frazier. Obviously, some of the blame falls on Clint. Uh, as much yeah. as you want to blame somebody for running headlong into the wall in, in both 2018 and 2021, and, and it became extremely obvious over the course of the season that he did, in fact, ring his own bell again during spring training 2021, which we were nervous about. He tweeted, like, I'm fine with a winky face, but then was one of the six worst players in baseball all year long, which we know is not Clint Frazier. Like, yeah. any Yankee fan bemoaning the loss of Clint Frazier was like, well, he sucks. Like, he, he actually doesn't. He, we know he can hit. We absolutely know he can hit. We're not sure he can play the outfield, but he certainly put together 60 games of outfield work in 2020. So, like, I'm, I'm not sold that, like, long-term Frazier can succeed. And the reason I'm not sold is just because of his health. I know what the bat can do. There are worse defenders in baseball than Clint Frazier, who was improving before torpedoing his own case in 2021. But the Yankees let you know what they thought of him every step of the way. 2017, he came up and was given a chance to contribute, but didn't do anything by the playoff roster and was not kept around. 2018, he hurt himself. 2019, led the team in hitting with risk, had a genuinely great April, May, June. And then the first chance they had to shuck him off the roster, they did. It was weird. It was after a White Sox series where he was one of the better bats in the lineup on the road in Chicago. And I'm just gone. Oh, he's got options. He's gone. Now, there was some weirdness that year, too. He had a horrible Sunday night baseball against the Red Sox that ended a sweep. Didn't talk to the media after the game. And I get it. I understand being upset with Frazier for that. But the Yankees clearly had no interest in him being on the roster long before that and and tried their hardest to send him back to Scranton, hence the self-deprecating Instagram pictures and all that stuff, tagging himself as the mayor of Scranton or whatnot. Uh, An interesting guy who I would love to hear more from moving forward. Uh, In 2020, again, he, he had his best season, top to bottom, beginning to end, Brett Gardner got hot in mid-September, and the Yankees just used Brett Gardner instead. That's what they did. And look, they had four viable outfielders for three slots at that point. I understand. But again, he's your starting left fielder, had the best season of his career, can't sniff the field during the playoffs, can't be fun for him. Uh, And it was just another example of the Yankees saying, yeah, you're good, but you're not Yankee good. We'd rather have Brett Gardner, a a different type of player entirely. So the Andujar Frazier, rest in peace, really ridiculously But he was valuable in 2017 for sure, although I didn't want the Yankees to flip him after a month and a half of using him for they got him in 2016. But he was valuable midway through 2019 after the Yankees demoted him. He was valuable before 2020 and after 2020. He was certainly not valuable in 2021. You can blame Frazier running headlong into the wall for that if you want, but at least a year and a half where the Yankees could have, no, not included Frazier as the centerpiece in a big trade, but used Frazier attached to a bigger prospect to acquire something valuable, certainly more valuable than Mike Talkman entering 2021. Yeah. I mean, literally, like I said, literally anything, it, do- it doesn't matter what it was. If the, if you're not rewarding good play or you don't view somebody as a long-term solution for what you're trying to accomplish, then just let it go. Again, a thing that I feel that y- the Yankees were nervous to trade somebody because they didn't want it to come back and bite them or they wanted to see their experiment through and be like, okay, is Frazier going to prove us wrong and become like a superstar? And, and if he doesn't, then, you know, we were validated in our decision that that wasn't going to happen. So weird stuff all around. Um, most importantly though, yes, rest in peace to the Andujar Frazier fake trade things, which haven't been discussed since the Garrett Cole deal. Um, because really funny though, up. really funny, like standing ovation is a great joke. I, I, yeah. I laughed every time. It, the funniest <laughs> part about it was that it was two players on the Yankees who aren't very good um, being included in a trade, which I thought was a really funny bit. I mean, um, yeah. 
when you whenever whenever you could do that it's just you know you nailed it million other ways to make fun of yankees and yankees fans um digging through the depths of Yankees Twitter to find fans who are proposing trades that are fake and don't exist. Um, and then bringing it out to the greater Yankee community, just make yourself look stupid. Also, um, I'm, I'm in Yankees Twitter. I know who the people who propose and do hard raids are. And they're like, maybe special needs. So like, it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not their kids. You're, you're kids nobody. and they don't know or their children. Yeah. yeah you're, you're attacking nobody. If you search Andujar Frazier, it's a thousand Carabases before you get to one Yankee yeah. fan. And, uh, and it's so funny, yeah. too, because the offer that we – the reported offer that we made for Garrett Cole, way better than what the Astros offered, honestly. Like, well, and the then, Pirates, and then, yeah. The Pirates got then, Joe Musgrove and then decided to never unlock him ever. Yeah. We're not going to improve upon what you're working with in Houston – even yeah. one iota, you're perfect the way you are. And he yeah. the so they got a good asset, life. and they did not. They traded it, and then I guess we'll see what happens with whatever they receive from the Padres. But I think the Padres are smarter than the Pirates based on the shrewd trades that AJ Preller's made. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could have had, you could have had Frazier, you could have had Andujar, you could have had another pitching prospect, and maybe that would have done it for you. Maybe Andujar's defense turns around a third. Maybe Frazier doesn't run into a wall and hurt himself. I don't know. But it's better than a five-for-one swap where you have one of the guys still, and that guy is okay in Colin Moran. Yep. Anyway, next, um, <laughs> talking about <laughs> talking about other things, talking about the trade market. Other stuff. Other stuff. Um, so if the Yankees, which we've been hearing, are going to bow out of the free agent class this year for all the shortstops, as smart, we mentioned. Smart bow. Of, yeah, very smart yeah. bow. I'm very sick of mentioning all the names, but you get the picture. It's all the main guys that the Yankees should be in on, but they're not going to be in on. Um, the other notable um, the other notable update that we kind of called a couple weeks ago um, is that Simi- Marcus Simeon's asking price is now reportedly above over $200 million. So we knew that the second he switched agents and went over to Scott Boris, that that was out for the Yankees. If you were thinking that that was a short-term type thing where it was going to be three years for 60 or, you know, four years for 75 or whatever, or you thought it was going to be in whatever this rumored Starling Marte range is going to be. Not quite. It's going to be a $200 million deal. It seems like, or, you know, at least probably in the 175, 180 range because Scott Boris usually gets his way. Um, now the Yankees are apparently not sold on investing that much money in a shortstop because they want to leave room open for Volpe and Peraza or Peraza, whoever it may be. Yeah. A second baseman and a shortstop who we should trade for Matt Olson, but yeah, yeah, sure. So look, I'm not going to sit here and say that's the right decision. However, we do have to start thinking what the Yankees might actually do in the smartest way possible. If they're going to pass on all of these marquee names that are going to cost them money that they're not comfortable spending for still reasons that we don't understand. So we have some trade options that aren't garbage that are hybrid stop gaps and who aren't Andrelton Simmons, Jose Iglesias and uh, uh, Freddie Galvis. Cause that's yeah. not, if that happens, then kiss 2022. If that happens and you go to a game next year, I'm not your friend. Won't talk to you. No. Um, we'll block you from the podcast. We'll block you from yanksyard.com. Um, so just, just be aware that those are the consequences. If you're going to support the Yankees, if they sign one of these stopgap options who are very bad to a one-year deal, but we have trade options that could be explored, not too expensive, can either transition to another position or just be, just be thrown away, uh, just be tossed aside in a year or two. So what do you think about these, Adam? Well, I uh, you started with Harold Castro uh, of the Tigers, which I like, and I like Harold Castro for the for the reason being that like 
Uh, I mean, first of all, we are coming from a baseline where the Yankees started Andrew Velasquez in the playoffs last year. So uh, it's really difficult to not upgrade, but Galvis is a very small upgrade. Simmons and uh, that other dork are are in Iglesias are probably downgrades from Andrew Velasquez. Maybe not. Maybe not. But at the equivalent cost, basically. They're less cool. They're much less cool. They're not from the Bronx. They don't have that it factor. Jose Iglesias just pepped up the Red Sox. Like, so I'm not going to (laughs) go. He's only good in Boston. He was terrible in Anaheim. You think he's going to be good in New York after loving on the Boston Red Sox last month? No, I don't think so. So I liked Harold Castro. Uh, He is a utility type. You want to talk about uh, being able to slide somebody over to another position, DJ LeMahieu style, when the shortstops are ready, if we really want to keep Volpe and Peraza, and if they're really both shortstops, and maybe Trey Sweeney's a shortstop too, and we're going to sign Roderick Arias out of the DR. Great. Harold Castro is way beyond a shortstop. He's also more competent and short than, Rob- and than uh, our man Glaber Torres ever was, Robinson Cano, also than Robinson Cano. Uh, I just read about Robinson Cano. He uh, got removed from his winter league roster with a back injury. So that's why that name came out of my mouth. Um, I'm also a little booster loopy. But Harold Castro was the kind of speed guy, bad on ball, not necessarily high OBP, hitter, limited power, 10 homers max, probably not a ton of pop, but like a 300 hitter, 330 OBP. But if you're going to complain about people not getting the bat on the ball, he gets the bat on the ball. He's fast. He's athletic. He fills the gap that Velasquez did much better than Velasquez did Mm -hmm. 300 average versus 220 average similar pop squid had no power he hit one homer and and that was great but come on come on guys um and Castro makes the plays makes the plays in front of him not you know not a spectacular defender that's going to boggle your mind but doesn't make errors shorthanded um and you can't imagine that'll cost a lot because the Tigers have every intention of paying Carlos Correa you think and if they don't they intend to contend soon and I don't think the Tigers have a strong enough lineup to eat the Harold Castro bullet, but the Yankees certainly do. Yeah. Adding a 300 hitter to the nine spot who gets on base and is speedy and, and makes the plays at short, you could do worse than that. 300 is, is better than 220. Again, like for all those who are like, well, yeah. why don't you just keep Andrew Velasquez? Because he didn't hit that well. So no. there you go. Yeah, I mean, I'll take a guy hitting 275 in the nine hole. Doesn't really matter to me. Castro, um, the reason why he was, the, the reason why he's, uh, I guess, the last one we would consider is because he's primarily a second baseman. Though he has shown, he, I think he played some center field. Athletic dude, speed can cover some ground, which is exactly what you need. Um, I think he played 43 games at shortstop last year for the Tigers. Didn't make a single error. So you can look at the advanced metrics. Okay. His defensive run saved. I think it was like negative two, whatever. He didn't make an error at shortstop in 43 games. That that's pretty good for a guy who is not primarily a shortstop. Um, and if he was comfortable at the position, then I'm happy taking him on. Certainly happy taking him on, throw him in the nine hole. If he could slap some hits, put some balls in play. That's, that's all that really matters. When we're talking about upgrading the shortstop position, we are not talking about finding the all around guy. Cause you're not going to do that. If you're not paying for it, you're not going to want to trade for it because then it's going to cost you even more, even more assets in a trade. And the Yankees are clearly hanging on to as many assets as they possibly can, given that they didn't strike a deal before the 40 man deadline, or they did strike the Nick Nelson deal. Thanks. Um, yes. So clearly they're not going to trade for somebody who's going to, who's going to be, a, be a prohibitive cost. But if they trade for a guy who's got a, who's got a reliable glove can do something on the offensive end. That brings us to our next guy, Isaiah Kiner Falefa Rangers. The Rangers are mentioned in talks with Corey Seager and Trevor Story. Do we know how far along they are? No. Do we know if any of them are going to sign there? No. But we know the Rangers have a lot of money to spend. Um, and 
ping pong, continue to ping pong Kiner Falefa across the infield for them. I don't know if that's in their best interest. Started his career as a catcher, moved to third base, stole the gold glove from Gio Rochelle last year, as we very well complained about for a long time, and then moved to shortstop this year and played 156 games. He was good. Totally good option at shortstop. He, he clearly is much better on the left side of the infield than he is behind the plate. Um, and uh, the Rangers had, uh, they called up one of their top, I think, 25 prospects in Yanni Hernandez. He plays third base. Um, or they could, you know, if they're looking to break the bank, maybe you go after Seager slash Story and Chris Bryant, throw Chris Bryant at third. So both I don't know. Seagers. What? Both, both Seagers. The, yeah. the two Seager boys. Yeah. So who knows? So then if you're if you're displacing Kiner Falefa from, I guess, shortstop where he seemed to be really comfortable, he played, a hundred well, again, 156 games there. Why can't that be an option for the Yankees? And then you have an option to switch him over to third at some point when one of these guys is coming up. Um, and uh, I don't know why the Rangers would want to pay a rising arbitration cost with Kiner Falefa if they're not going to utilize him properly or to, to the best of his abilities. So... These two teams are familiar trade partners. I can see it being a possibility. Um, not a great bat, but again, okay. I think he hit. Uh, I think he hit like he hits like two sixty five for his career. Um, high six hundreds in the OPS. Nothing special, but again, if you're getting a Sterling Glove and a guy who makes decent contact, two sixty five feels two sixty five feels pretty damn great in terms of what we were experiencing in the nine hole last year. And with Glaber Torres underachieving at the manner, the, the manner in which he did. Um, so get the glove, get some sort of pot. All of these bats here are mostly like a little bit above average in terms of hitting for contact. Everything else is like, whatever, aside from the last group of guys. Um, but then we have, um, who's the next one here? Kevin Newman. You what like you Kevin Newman. We talked yeah. about him actually last year. Kevin Newman, I mean, Kevin Newman can't hit, according to 2021, according to the most recent data. Like, I don't know much about Kevin Newman other than top prospect, pedigree, downright rock-solid fielder, good, great 2019 season, debuted on the right side of history, and then 2021, the bat absolutely plateaued. Now, the Yankees are used to that. That wouldn't be the first time the Yankees would acquire somebody who's good field, no bat. Um, But I don't have an issue with Newman, and I like the fact that the Pirates are a consistent partner. You start pairing Newman with other Pirates and you intrigue me even more. The Pirates would obviously be selling low on Newman. Maybe you can get them to sell high on Jacob Stallings, a catcher too. Feel the Gary Sanchez void, uh, non-tender Gary in a couple of weeks. They move that deadline up to November 30th because they're going to lock out on December 1st. So the non-tenders are going to happen before the lockout. Very interesting. Keep your eyes peeled there. The Yankees could definitely non-tender Gary. They could definitely non-tender Andujar. A Newman-Stallings pair makes sense. Newman and Steven Brault. Newman and Chad Cool. There are pitch Newman and Colin Moran from the Astros trade. Like there are a couple of guys in the Pirates who could fill needs for the Yankees. And obviously the Yankees plunder the Pirates constantly, starting with Jamison Tyone uh, last year very prominently and Clay Holmes. Like there's recent history there. Uh, Hoy Park is a Pirate. And, you know, Kanan Smith and Jigba is a Pirate. Isaiah Gilliam is, is still a Yankee, but, you know, that was a, I got him confused with Kanan. Oops, whatever. Uh, life goes on. Uh, so the Yankees and Pirates swap constantly. They were in talks over Garrett Cole. The, the organizations have gotten to know each other a lot better in recent years. I'm going to throw in one here too uh, that I love. That's probably going to cost top dollar, quote unquote, comparatively. But you want to talk about players who've been squeezed out by their previous teams? Are the Royals really going to build around Nicky Lopez at short? They also have Adalberto Mondesi, who interests me a little bit less because he's a little boom or bustier. 
But Lopez is an elite defender, solid hitter, a definition of 300 with no power, no pop whatsoever. The absolute best case for Velasquez, just as speedy, better defense, better bat, no same complete flat line of power. Lopez is under control for several years, but Bobby Witt Jr. is the best shortstop prospect in baseball. Got to make room for him. MJ Melendez is going to make room on that infield for him, too. The Royals need to shuffle around a lot of people. They have, like, three of the best minor league bats at the upper levels of any team. Witt needs to start this year, and that's not just, like, a Royals thing. And that's not, like, the Roy- if the Royals are going to be smart and contend, they need to start Witt. Like, no, he's a minor league player of the year. He's at AAA. There is no reason to keep him down anymore. Clear out your shortstops. I would go in and get Nicky Lopez at a relative bargain. I think I don't know what he would cost because of how little pop he produces. Yeah. And he is, you know, he's a Royals guy. He's in the Jersey reveal. Like he's sort of becoming intrinsic to the Royals uh, picture overall. But again, what what's he going to do? You've got too many infielders to, to name. You've, you've got Monacy on a longer deal. You, you've got Witt coming up. You've got Melendez. You've got Dozier. Like, and I don't want Dozier. So you can, you can keep him, move him to the outfield, whatever you want to do. But I love Lopez. It feels like a top 10 pitching prospect and maybe two other prospects could could do it just yeah. because I don't really know the market for a throwback player like him. You're, you're talking about trading for Ozzie Smith in the mid 80s. Even with the short porch, you're looking at four homers. So I like Lopez as a stopgap because, you know, I don't think I don't think a franchise like the New York Yankees is going to stake its future on Nicky Lopez. He's not going to be in our jersey reveal moving forward. But that's a that's a cog in a World Series winning machine. And I, I think, you know, if it if it's only one top ten prospect, I'm on board. Yeah, I, I support that too. And um I don't know how versatile he is. Um how many years of control does he have? Do you remember? I believe it, I think it's three, but I will look it up. Yeah, so that's like the, that's the other thing with these guys. Like Newman can play second base, um, as we mentioned before, and also like the Pirates have Cole Tucker and O'Neill Cruz, who are young guys who primarily play shortstop they could play elsewhere but why are you going to block younger guys who are who you're more confident in as opposed to Newman who has a couple more years of team control and will have you know rising arbitration costs that you're not going to really want to pay for if you're a team like the Pirates four Um, years four years for Nicky Lopez it's a lot of years okay yeah so I mean can he transition a second can he transition to a utility role who knows but you know that's what that's what the Yankees are going to have to try to figure out here Um, he plays a little bad option Still not a bad option to flip him again in two years or a year. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's still on the table. Teams are always going to need shortstops, especially defensive for shortstops. Um, so it's not bad business. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call C-Bus C-Town, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in C-Bus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to O-H-I-O, where Pepsi and life are oh-so-refreshing. I don't know why this is a talking point. I really don't. But Joel Sherman mentioned it um, in the column when talking about how the Yankees are kind of going to cheap out. And he said that they might be waiting for the Brewers to make a guy like Willie Adamas available. Um, I don't know why Willie Adamas would be available. He seemed very intrinsic to what the Brewers did. He kind of energized them once they raise uh, struck the deal uh, with the Brewers. Um hit 25 homers, batted 270 or something, OPS over 800, like totally good guy. Um, But then that kind of led me to believe, like, then are they going to consider, if they're considering some sort of infield trade, like Luis Urias has to be on the table here. 
if this is what they're doing, once again, I don't know this is if this is what they're going to do, but this was mentioned as a potential option. So if they're going to trade one of those two guys, I know Urias is very good. He's, I mean, I, that's a guy who I want on my team, can play three infield positions, all above average. Did you see the plays he made in the NLDS against the Braves? Mm-hmm. Um, save them from going under much faster than they should have. Um, so I don't know if they're going to use him at third base. I don't know really what their prospect pipeline looks like or if they're going to be active in free agency, uh, considering how close they were. Um, they were they had one of the best pitching staffs in the league, and their offense was kind of anemic. So Urias doesn't have a whole lot of track record at the MLB record uh, at the MLB level. Um, the, the 2021 was kind of his breakout year. He had 23 bombs, 75 RBI, but he's still OPS, I think, under 800. Um, so an, an, an interesting character here. I don't know if either of these guys would be available, but if you're the Yankees, why not inquire? If you can get a guy like Urias, plop him at short for a year or two, then move him off. Have him be the have him be the club utility guy. He's under club control for, I think, three or four more years. Um, Adamas, I think, is two or three more years, but he seems to be firmly entrenched in the shortstop position. He's played one or two games at second base for his entire career. Um, with the Rays and Brewers overwhelmingly shortstop. So it depends what the Yankees are looking for. I don't know why Adams would be an option given his team control and given the fact that he hardly plays elsewhere outside of shortstop. Urias, more our speed, can play multiple positions, can move off shortstop when Volpe or Peraza are ready, whichever the Yankees prefer in that capacity, can play second, third, and short effectively. So there's your bench utility guy who can also hit for power. So pinch hitter, DH, whatever you want to do. If you got to rest guys, uh, tweak the lineup. There's always injuries with the Yankees. So I don't think there will be a dearth of reps for a guy like Luis Urias as the years go by. Um, But those are two guys to, I mean, keep an eye on, not saying it's going to happen, but if an insider is mentioning it as a potential possibility, got to look deeper into these teams rosters and figure out maybe what their motives would be or, or who else might be available because Adamas, like I said, doesn't really make sense. Urias though, career year maybe they think they can get something else in return maybe they want to stockpile their pitching maybe they want a, a better shortstop prospect for a couple of years from now i don't know what they want but it's 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 something worth considering and the yankees would be dumb to not really enter, entertain talks there if there if there's a talk to be had adamas said his life got changed by getting out of tropicana field that's great he, he did look like a different player as opposed to sort of a solid B in Tampa. He showed real star power last year. I have absolutely no idea why the Brewers would trade him. Neither do you. We're not the oh, ones saying it. Joel Sherman said it. So, like, I, I quibble with the possibility. I don't understand it. But yeah. we didn't invent it. So, keep your <laughs> eyes peeled. The, the only shortstop trade, I will say, the worst-case scenario, that which does seem possible, is, is Nick Ahmed in Arizona, who is a guy who the Yankees have looked at in 2017, when Didi Gregorius went down with TJ after 2018, the insider started suggesting it again. Ahmed and the Yanks and Ahmed and the Rays were both possibilities in 17. Haven't heard about it for several years. That's because Ahmed went from sort of a 19 homer power guy with gold glove defense to a 31 year old who can't hit at all. It's Andrelton Simmons style and his defense was less spectacular than Simmons. But if defense is your calling card, you're 32 and you used to kind of hit. And now you don't anymore. You're not the kind of player I want. Yankees could have gotten away with Ahmed in the nine hole in 17, 18, and maybe 19, not 20, not 21. And that year's already ended. So not 22 either. Just want to lay that out there. Cause it really, I mean, we've seen it every time the Yankees have needed a shortstop. People have said, well, Nick, Ahmed in the D backs. You guys like him, right? I guess we do like him. I, I think that would be 
just as bad, if not worse, than Freddie Galvis because you're giving away assets. Galvis costs money. He sucks. You shouldn't go see the Yankees if they trade for Freddie Galvis. The last time they traded for a D-backs infielder, he ended up being blind. So Brandon Drury couldn't see. We we had to get rid of him. So maybe don't maybe don't do that. Maybe stop trying to unlock the Diamondbacks because yeah, there's no more. There's not a lot there. Uh, let's talk about Suzuki because I, I don't know. Look, I, I came into this offseason knowing as much about Seiya Suzuki as anybody. Uh, he's the new hot thing from the MPB. He's 27 year old Japanese outfielder, center fielder, right fielder, second baseman, third baseman. He, he apparently does it all. I, I'm seeing him floating all around the infield. The numbers are special. The speed power combo is excellent. And you look into this and, and you go, okay, so the Yankees don't need an outfielder, really. They need a center fielder. Suzuki's just as much of a center fielder as Joey Gallo is and as Aaron Judge is. And they keep shoving those, you know, round pegs in a square hole. The Yankees certainly need a fourth outfielder. They probably need somebody with more center field expertise than Suzuki, but he can play it just as much as Gallo and Judge. And I'd rather Judge not do that. So. Yeah. Point in his column, I'm interested. The Yankees can't exit this offseason without getting another outfielder, whoever that is. I like Suzuki, and, and so you, you start talking yourself out of it, though, because you're like, well, all these numbers are very impressive. He's 27. He's the highest profile name on the Japanese posting market this year. It seems like $15 million AAV, three years, 45, four years, 60, probably a little hefty. But, you know, you're looking at 14, 15 mil. Apparently not. The projected contract is between 7 and 10 mil annually. I'd pay that. Almost sight unseen for three years, maybe four, seven mil a year, three years, $21 million for this fourth outfielder type, especially because it seems like the Yankees are destined to finish third in the Starling Marte chase. And because they're not going to trade for Brian Reynolds, no matter how much Pirates trade talk we've already done today. And because I don't know what other pure center fielders you even want. Kevin Pillar, like the, the next tier of center fielders available below Marte is just as bad as the catchers below Tucker Barnhart. So... I understand it's a bit of a round peg in a square hole, and the scouts know more than I do, but if Suzuki can play a little center and the Yankees can take Aaron Hicks off his feet for some games and the Yankees can rotate their outfielders a little more, $7 million a year. I mean, yeah, I would do that. And the Mets are first in line, so jump the Mets. Yeah, please. I mean, foregone conclusion here? No. Worth exploring? Sure. Guy who is athletic. Well, I mean, we use the term athletic a lot, but he clearly has speed. Um, we misuse the term athletic a lot, I should say. All these guys are athletic. They're playing Major League Baseball. These are, these are athletic athletes. players. Yep. They happen to be athletes. Um, but in terms of uh, speed, covering ground, this guy has it. Stole a career-high 25 uh, bases two years ago. Um, hits for power, which is great. Hits for average, which is also the Yankees' need. So um, numbers are actually pretty damn good. Uh, 315 average, 985 OPS. In 901 career games in Japanese in the uh, Japanese Professional League, 82 stolen bags. Uh, kid went pro when he was 18 back in 2013. So clearly has the talent. Clearly has the experience. I know there is always the thing. Oh, we don't know how these guys are gonna uh, be when they come over. You know, it's not the same game. We we have a decent amount of evidence of guys performing. I understand. Uh, who is the dude on the Who is the dude on the uh, the Pirates who got into trouble? He was oh, a uh, uh, yeah, Jung Ho. Yeah. I mean, that guy was the, yeah, DUI, guy. King, the DUI king of yeah, like, yeah, like, multiple yeah. DUIs. Uh, he was South Korea, but it, you know, it's, it's the they, they lump in the South Korean and, and the Japanese players kind of as these guys who are playing in uh, among inferior competition. Yeah, Jung Ho Gong, Jung Ho Gong, Jung-ho Gong yeah. banned from baseball. That's yeah, who was like good for a, who was good for a hot second and then got banned from baseball. Um, but you know, these guys come over, 
I like their style of play. Um, and I like what Suzuki can bring to the table. If you're doing this in professional baseball elsewhere, chances are you're going to bring a decent amount of what you have to the table on, on a bigger stage in major league baseball. It's not like he's hitting balls off a tee guys. It's not like he's stolen bases on catchers who have no arms. Um, he he's one of, he's, he's a top player in this entire league, which warrants attention because a top player in any other professional league is clearly an MLB contributor, could be one of the best in MLB, like Shohei Otani. Look at that. Um, not saying he's he's that kind of player, but you never really know what you have on your hands. And if the Yankees are looking for a multi-tool guy who could play multiple positions, cycle guys around. Again, Joey Gallo can play center field. Not sure why he didn't play any center field last year, but he can play center field. So if they want to rotate people, you get Giancarlo Stan in the outfield, you put Gallo in center, then you got Suzuki as your fourth outfielder. Because look, Bringing back Brett Gardner, I think, kind of just signifies that this team is not really going to make the necessary moves to get better. Um, again, we don't we like Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner, tremendous Yankee, great Yankee career, last last world champion on this roster. But it, it, we're not going to be waiting out four months of him batting, you know, one ninety for then. Oh, August and September, he OPS eight fifteen. So clearly, he has a role next year. No, you need somebody a little bit better than that at this point. And now with Frazier gone, um, with uh, we, we do, I don't really know what they're going to do with Stanton. In my opinion, Stanton needs to play seventy-ish games in the outfield per year now to kind of keep his head in the right place. Because once he started playing outfield again, he started tearing the cover off the ball. Although historically, he is best in August and September. Um, but Suzuki, once again, I don't know why the Yankees are ever worried about finding reps for certain players because. There's always reps to be had. There's always reps to go around. Kind of like what we talked about, what we previously talked about with, you know, Jock Peterson and Kike Hernandez wanting more reps. They didn't want to return to the Dodgers unless they were starters. It's like you guys played in like 145 plus games the last like three years. Like you're getting plenty of reps. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Jock Peterson finds himself in the same situation when he goes when he goes to the Cubs and then the Braves. Um, I know Kike Hernandez's situation got elevated a bit, but he was still more of a utility guy for the Red Sox than anything. Um, but yeah, you want to talk about saving money too. If they don't want to, if they don't want to pay up for Starling Marte, who's 33 years old, you can get a 27 year old player who, who has, who's a multi-tool guy and plop him in. You could figure it out. I I don't know why this would be a bad idea. It comes down to what they're going to want to spend and what they deem as a fit, but anybody who could steal bags, hit for average and play multiple outfield positions is a fit in my opinion. Yeah, the recent history of these Japanese imports who aren't the highest profile names is is making teams wary, I guess. The Reds yeah. are stuck with Shogo Akiyama. They're trying to attach him to every trade rumor all offseason long. It is what it is. Yoshi Tsutsugo, the Rays made the most expensive commitment in franchise history before the Wander Franco deal, and just he was gone a year later, and he was a Dodger, and he doesn't seem to be very good. Uh, Hyunsu Kim, the Orioles guy who got a beer dumped on him by the racist fan in Toronto – like a, a lot of a lot of position player busts lately. And so it yeah. is easy to think about the Asian market and go, great, Otani, cool. But the, the, all these guys that are getting 30 mil have not shown up and done what we've expected them to. But it's it's a it's a drop in the bucket. I mean, if Suzuki is what we think he is, it's it's a drop in the bucket. Seven mil to 10 mil. I'm not even questioning it. I have a policy where I'll spend ten dollars on anything and I'm not an owner. I would spend seven million on anything, honestly. Yeah. Anything. You're a billionaire. Um, why not? If I'm a billionaire, why not? Uh, and that brings us to, I just want to be thankful for our rivals for a couple of minutes at the end of the podcast. Uh, it's been a tough year. Yankees ended up face planting, did not make it to the finish line, only won 92 games. 
we weren't very proud of our team most of the time. We're certainly not happy that they're not making the moves that they need to. But I do want to give us a little bit of perspective very quickly. First of all, the Boston Red Sox, you can't say anything to me. I'm thankful that you can't say anything to me until the clock begins on opening day next year. Nothing. Absolutely nothing from you. If Yankee fans should be embarrassed with the way their 2017 and 2019 seasons ended, seasons that you don't hear me bragging about because they ended with very depressing ALCS losses, then you've got nothing for me. I was very worried during the ALCS that you were going to have something for me, that you were going to win the World Series ahead of schedule. You're going to be able to sit on that all year. You were going to make the series ahead of schedule. You're going to win the American League. Now, you can say whatever you want. Red Sox fans wake up and start quote-tweeting highlights from July on November 23rd because that's what they do. They want to brag every single day. They didn't win the World Series. It took them two extra weeks. They went home just like we did. They're sitting from the exact same position, watching the exact same baseball in the World Series. They got nothing for me. I am so thankful that I don't have to listen to any of it. I really don't, and I won't. I simply won't. Are the Red Sox going to be better than the Yankees on April 1st? Pretty, pretty goddamn possible. Truly possible. And we'll start this carousel again. Right now, finished with the same regular season record. Both ended up on the couch. Had underperforming aces blow huge games in the playoffs. Sox were up 2-1, ready to salt away a trip to the World Series, and lost. So, it's over. You can't say anything to me, and I'm very thankful for that. You can say whatever you want to. I won't listen, and I don't have to. That's what I'm thankful for. Also very thankful for Steve Cohen and the Steven Matz situation and the New York Mets. Steve Cohen is a child who has a billion dollars. He owns a baseball team. Uh, he, he learned this morning that promises can be broken, which he's been in business committing tax fraud for 45 years. And he learned because of, of a number four starter with a question of velocity that promises can be broken. Steven Matz, I guess, reached out to the Mets and expressed interest in coming home, then decided he didn't want to do that because he didn't like his experience with the Mets that much, actually. He decided to sign with the St. Louis Cardinals instead. Cohen decided to rant on Twitter about broken promises, whine about how I'm very upset this morning with a player's decision, later said it's not on Matz, it's on his agent. You know what? If you're learning today that it's tough to negotiate with the sports agent and you're going to air your grievances, it, I mean, without Trump on Twitter... Steve Cohen tweets are the best thing that we have. So I'm very thankful for that. It's, the Mets don't have a manager. I'm also thankful for that. Uh, Thomas Carinante, what are you thankful for? Mm, man, I'm thankful the season's over. I really am. Thank Did not have fun this year. No. Don't care if it was 90 wins. Don't care if the expectations here are more than anybody in Cleveland or Kansas City would dream of. Um, I don't because it was a torturous season. It was largely unenjoyable. Um, we kind of knew what was happening from the start um, and whether we put the energy out there to allow it to happen or what it still happened. The Yankees had the power to not make it happen, but they did. And we're sitting here. I, I'm, I'm kind of thankful that we were a little bit right too, because serious changes needed to be made and not to uh, kind of uh, discount a, a, a deep playoff run. Maybe they go to the ALCS, but I think that the, the, the foundation and the roots here, um, something needs to happen. Um, so I'm thankful that the season kind of crashed the way it did because if ownership in the front office don't realize that now is the time to figure out how to do, how to, how to make the necessary moves to salvage whatever's left in 2022, then I don't know what will. So then I'll be thankful for something else next year. That's even worse. I don't know. Um, and secondly, thankful for the haters. I love the haters, man. I love the contrarians. Oh my God. I love all of the alternate takes that make no sense that you just, feel like saying because you want to be different uh keep it coming we're in business because the haters um we're in business because of the comments 
Um, we're in business because of the bad names you call me. Um, and Adam, sometimes we see it, okay. we see it sometimes we don't, we don't ignore it. Um, but yeah, just wishing, wishing the haters a happy holiday because you need it. You need a nice holiday, kick back and relax, stop the hating, stop the anger. Um, be angry with the Yankees. Don't be angry with us for coming up with a trade list that we think that might make the team better or come up with a list of players who might need to be cut because it makes sense. Um, eat some Turkey, have some fun, drink some beer, watch some college, but a lot of college basketball guys, all those students are you know, sacrificing their time over the holidays to entertain you. Be thankful for them too. A lot, a lot of, a uh, lot of sacrifices being made over, over Thanksgiving, long Thanksgiving weekend, where we got to cherish the holidays after, after we saw what a pandemic did to us. We, some of us couldn't even see our families. So be thankful for that. But haters, thanks for making the world go around. And thanks for helping us every single day. Yeah. I don't really know why I need to be playing the the battle for it. Neither do I don't agree uh, with it, but Hey, no, it's on. You can bet on it. You can watch it. It's pretty. I mean, maybe that's a special Thanksgiving memory. We we couldn't all go to Atlantis and battle last year during the pandemic. So <laughs> now it's back. Uh, sponsored by Bad Boy Mowers, I think we're gonna try to get their sponsorship by the by the end of 2022. I think that's a lofty goal. Book it for next year. Um, oh, yeah. That is it for this pre-Thanksgiving edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. I don't think I even need to do that anymore, but I like doing it, so I'm, I'm going to. I'm just going to continue to do it. It's, yeah. it's kind of unbelievable how second nature it is. It's fun. It's fun it's as hell. Bad, I'm yeah. giving myself a Thanksgiving treat uh, one day early. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner, but you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. And I think a Randy Levine burner account who doesn't know how to use apostrophes did this week, so we're having a good time. Although he called me Thomas. So yes. Thomas Carinante, if he's if he's looking for you, where can he find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. Um, I'll argue with you. Sometimes I'll block you just because what you're saying is stupid and I can't hear it because I have enough stupid thoughts that go through my brain. Can't inherit anymore. <laughs> um, you can also find us on yanksgoyard.com. We got plenty of content there for you. Believe it or not, we got a lot of content up there for you over this holiday weekend. We prepped ourselves. We, we, we prepared ourselves for you guys to have you some, you know, lazy reading if you're passing out from all that turkey. Um, so head on over there. Also, we'll be on the Yanks Go Yard uh, Twitter account sporadically over the holiday weekend. Maybe some moves happen. Maybe they don't. I remember actually a couple Thanksgivings ago or it was a couple Christmases ago, Daniel Murphy signed with the Nationals. I don't know why that's in my head, but um, that was, I think, a Thanksgiving day or a Christmas Eve signing. Um, mm-hmm. So stuff might happen. Nothing's going to happen on Christmas. I can assure you that based on the lockout, but stuff yeah. might happen now. A lot of insiders are saying the market could be accelerated over the next, over the next, uh, I guess, eight days it is now before the lockout happens. So be on the lookout for that. We'll be hanging out on Twitter and ask us questions. You can make fun of us, whatever you want. But until then, we'll talk to you again on Monday. We'll be live again at two o'clock and hopefully we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about because Yankees got to do something, man. They got to do it. Please do it. Considering how much time every insider wasted with a countdown clock to Steven Matz making his decision this week, I kind of can't believe that the market is hot, but they're telling us the market is hot. So, hot. yeah, we shall see. If it is hot, it's going to be hot for the next seven days and then not again for a very long time. So stay tuned. I remember following the Garrett Cole chase two Thanksgivings ago. Yeah. It took took about another week and a half or so. We got the job done. Maybe we lock somebody in this Thanksgiving because, again, if you don't get it done by December 1st, you ain't getting it done. So we'll see you next week. Keep in touch with the content. Listen to the pod. And enjoy your Thanksgiving play. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.